0: Breaking the Borderline Stigma. I'm Kristen Nicole. I'm a life coach for highly sensitive women and women with borderline personality disorder, helping you to create a protective emotional skin to learn to love all of you and to let your gorgeous light shine despite the darkness. And by the way, I'm also a highly sensitive person and a BPD conqueror myself. Hello and welcome back. So happy to have you here. As always, I am excited to jump into the content with you today. And before we get started, what we're going to talk about today are some myths about emotions. So if you haven't yet listened to why emotion, regulating your emotions is so difficult when you have BPD, which is the podcast episode just before this, I do recommend that you go back and listen to that first. However, you don't have to. Um, I'll give you a little bit of context here. So in the last episode, I went over why emotion regulation is so difficult when you have BPD or you're someone who may think you have BPD. And what it really comes down to is there are several factors that I went over in that, but there's a biological piece in that if you have BPD. You're someone who was born with an emotional sensitivity, heightened emotional sensitivity, or what Marsha Linehan calls as emotional vulnerability. I like to look at it more as a sensitivity than a vulnerability, but, um, that's what she calls it. And then she, we, I talked about kind of what emotions do for you a little bit and just some of the underlying factors about, you know, we, we're we not taught how to regulate our emotions. And part of this, I believe, is because culturally as a whole, I do believe that we are emotionally immature. There's not, that's not to say that people don't have an emotional maturity to them. Some certainly do. And I think there are factors where you can be emotionally mature in some areas and emotionally immature in others. But I think, In general, we are emotional and emotionally immature society, and there's several reasons I think that this is. And I think a big part of it is that our um, society, the the patriarchal system, has essentially taught us that emotions are bad. It is you shouldn't get emotional. You that that they show weakness, that sort of thing. And so because of that, it, it basically stunts our emotional growth. And again, this is my viewpoint just from books that I have read, experiences that I've had, that sort of thing. Uh, I haven't done any scientific research, so, so to speak, or conducted, I should say conducted any scientific research. It's just my own opinion. But what I have noticed, observed, and what I have read this all leads me to kind of formulate this hypothesis of we're not taught how to regulate our emotions because culturally speaking emotions that are deemed unwanted or as some people will call them negative are seen as bad so things like anger and sadness like i said unwanted emotions or ones that people will generally deem as negative emotions i don't like to call them negative emotions personally because all emotions serve a purpose. But since we're not taught how to regulate these emotions, because we're essentially told that emotions are bad and you should keep your emotions in check and don't get emotional. Just don't, you know, don't show that you're not a robot, essentially, that you can't control yourself. This doesn't lead us to not having the emotions. This just leads us to not knowing how to deal with them. So because of that, we don't know how to emotionally regulate. And when you're born with an emotional sensitivity and you experience emotions on a higher, deeper level than most do, that's a problem. Because again, we still experience them. It still happens. It's just now instead of managing them and regulating them, we ignore them and we stuff them down and we try not to show them. And then they come back with a vengeance because that, ignoring, there is no such thing as ignoring an emotion or avoiding an emotion. It it will come back in some way, shape or form. So that's a little bit of what I talked about last time. But again, I do encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't done so already. So what I want to go into today is I want to read some myths about emotions. And this comes from my DBT skills book, handbook that I've, that I purchased when I was doing DBT therapy. And so I'm going to read these to you. So you might hear some paper shuffling. I apologize if that happens, but I'm going to read these to you. And I just want you to think about whether or not you believe this to be true or whether or not this has been your experience. And there's a section to challenge these. And obviously I'm not going to be able to do that with you one-on-one because this is a podcast. So I don't know what sort, what which of these is going to resonate with you. However, if it is something you would like to go through, I do want to invite you to set up a one-to-one call with me. You can do that by clicking on the link in the show notes to schedule a coaching call, a discovery coaching call. And we can kind of talk about that a little bit. So there are 21 of them. I'm just going to Let you know up front, there are 21, so it is a little bit lengthy, but let me go ahead and start right now. So, number one, there is a right way to feel in every situation. Number two, letting others know that I'm feeling bad is a weakness. Number three, negative feelings are bad and destructive. Number four, being emotional means being out of control. Number five, some emotions are stupid. Number six, all painful emotions are a result of a bad attitude. Number seven, if others don't approve of my feelings, I obviously shouldn't feel the way I do. Number eight, other people are the best judges of how I am feeling. Number nine, painful emotions are not important and should be ignored. Number 10, extreme emotions get you a lot further than trying to regulate your emotions. Now, I just want to pause there and ask you, of those first ten, which pop out in your mind as to, oh, yes, that's true. And I'm going to read the next ones. And again, I just want to encourage you and invite you to think about, do you believe these? Or do you feel like? the individuals around you believe these. So, and that's also why I'm pausing after each one, because I want you to just kind of think about it a little bit. How prevalent is it in your life in terms of what you believe about emotions? So here's the second set. Number 11, creativity requires intense, often out of control emotions. Number 12, Drama is cool. 13. It is inauthentic to try to change my emotions. 14. Emotional truth is what counts, not factual truth. 15. People should do whatever they feel like doing. 16. Acting on your emotions is the mark of a truly free individual. 17. My emotions are who I am. 18. My emotions are why people love me. 19. Emotions can just happen for no reason. 20 emotions should always be trusted. And then 21 is actually a blank spot for what's another thing that you might believe about emotions. And I want you to I want to invite you to just take a minute and let those 20 myths about emotions kind of sink in. I just just take a minute to really reflect on them. How many of them resonated with you in terms of what you believe or what maybe individuals around you believe? And then think about what a challenge to them might be. So let me give you an example. Negative feelings are bad and destructive. And the challenge that I had there was they can be telling you if there's danger. Um, They can be triggering a fight-or-flight situation. So in that case, if you're chased by a bear or some wild animal, odds are you're not going to feel good about it. You're going to be scared. You're going to be, you know, I think scared would be the biggest thing. Fearful for your life. Maybe you're even a little bit angry, but is that a bad thing? Because it's telling you to get out of the situation. Um, Another one that used to be a myth for me, I had kind of started as a potential myth, is that emotions can just happen for no reason. And I think that this is a big one. Because... Prior to my doing any sort of work, any sort of therapy, and I will say DBT therapy, because I had done talk therapy, and this was not one that I came to realize is actually a myth in talk therapy. It was in doing DBT that I realized that I used to think that emotions can happen for no reason. And that's not true. I've said it before, but it's always worth repeating that emotions are an indicator of something else, something that's going on, whether it is, Hey, you need to get out. I need to get out of this situation. I am not safe. Whether it is, I have felt threatened in some sort of way. I have my, my integrity has been called into question. Um, I, I, and being made to feel wrong for my choices, whatever it is, they're, they are an indicator of something. So in the case of negative emotions or unwanted emotions, I think that this is normally the most difficult to regulate, right? Because I mean, when you're excessively happy, although that can be an indicator of being in like a manic mode, um, normally, it's that's not something where we try and bring it down to a baseline level. There are times when we probably should, but that's not something we usually look at and think, "Oh, I better not be so happy." Right? It's more when it comes to anger, or sadness, or frustration, whatever it is that you're feeling at the time, um, fear. You know, it's those sorts of things that we feel like th- that can kind of run away with us. So because of that, a lot of times, you know, we think about emotion regulation and that it has to do with unwanted emotions, but those emotions are an indicator of something. So it may not match the situation, and this is where a skill called checking the facts really comes in handy. It may not match the situation. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but if if your significant other says something and it just sets you off, okay, it it, and your significant other is like, oh, whoa, like I didn't I didn't mean it like that, or why are you getting so angry? Well. In that instance, it may not match your reaction, may not match what they said, but there isn't, it's an indicator and underlying that there's some underlying, I don't want to say issue, but something underlying that happened maybe when you were younger that hasn't been resolved. And it has, your significant other stating whatever they said has triggered that fight or flight response. So I am doing a trauma-informed and psychologically psychological safety certification. And this is with my coach who I've been working with, but she has started an institute for um, trauma and psychological safety. And Everything that I hear her talk about, and of course, I'm doing this not just for myself, but also for the clients that I work with, because it's very related. And it is said that individuals with BPD could have some childhood trauma, like 60 or 70% of them have childhood trauma, but not all. And I'm actually going to challenge that because it depends on what your definition of trauma is. If they're looking at it from a big T trauma is in some big event that happened, yeah, not everybody necessarily has that in childhood. If you consider little T traumas, which is basically death by a thousand paper cuts, it's the same thing happening over and over again. That's still trauma, um, but it's not this big impactful event. So I would argue that Everybody with BPD has some sort of trauma, childhood trauma, likely, and that childhood trauma has created these constant trauma responses. Our bodies are constantly sitting in this trauma response mode. Now, I'm not going to get into it in this podcast just because we're about 17 minutes in and there's a lot of information, that goes into this, but essentially when I listen to each module within these, this class, this training, the certification program, when I listen to her talk about trauma responses and, and things that it triggers and situations, it's seriously like my entire life. And prior to, prior to starting DBT therapy, I never, I didn't think I had any trauma. I even remember my therapist saying, you know, once we get to um, a baseline, and I won't go into what that means because it's a, it could trigger an emotional tri- – it could be a trigger for for people listening to this. So let's just say once I got to a baseline, then she said then we can dr- dig into the trauma of the past. And I just remember thinking, I don't have any trauma. Like, what are you talking about? I don't I, – I'm fine. There's, I didn't have any trauma in my childhood. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> like now knowing what I know. Oh yeah. There's a crap ton of trauma there. And it's because it was more of a death by a thousand paper cuts type thing. And so my body got stuck in this constant trauma response. And so we end up I ended up having these big emotions and I would have these extreme reactions because I was going back and recreating that trauma in a sense. Not recreating the trauma itself, but it's almost like I was living inside of that and trying to respond in a way that would get me out of it, but it was actually perpetuating the cycle. Like I said, there's a lot that goes into it, it's not that simplistic, but I'm trying to explain it in a way where. I just, what I am hoping you'll take away from this is a lot of the extreme reactions are likely, could likely be, I can't say definitively because I don't know you individually, although I would love it if you would reach out to me and s- send me an email, tell me your experience, set up a call with me to do a discovery call and we can talk more about this. But um it, it it's likely from childhood trauma or painful past learnings. Sometimes it's a little bit easier to digest and and look at it as painful past learnings because even the word trauma can be triggering, but these painful past learnings all go into building these myths about emotions and really emotions are just there. They're there to serve a purpose as to a clue or an indicator as to what's going on. Sometimes this is good and sometimes this is bad. So I'm going to leave it at that point for today. I hope that this has been valuable for you. I would love to hear from you. Drop me a um, email. You can do that. There's, There's a link to get in contact with me again in the show notes. Um, please, if you would like to learn more, if you would like to chat more, set up a discovery call with me and you may be feeling like, oh, she's too busy. I'm too busy. I don't have time for you. That is not the case. This is why I do this because I want to be able to give you some good information. I want to be able to connect with you and I want you to know that you're not alone So I absolutely have time for you. If it's something that you've considered, please schedule a discovery call with me. We can talk more um, about how I may be able to support you. Or if you just want to have an initial conversation just to get to know one another. And again, totally in your court, but I really invite you to take advantage of that. So that is it for today. I hope this has been valuable for you. Like I said, if you have any topic that you would like to know more about, again, feel free to shoot me an email or you can give me a rating. Uh, I will see those as well. But shoot me an email, set up a discovery call, whatever feels safest for you, whatever feels good for you. And until next time, I wish you all the best and have a good one. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like one-to-one support, sign up for a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.